Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you, those in the room. Welcome, those online. Lovely to see you. My news of the week, I got my second jab. Now, I'm not that old. It's just our GP surgery is ahead of the curve. We settle that one. Um, I had the AstraZeneca one. It's, I had less effect this time than the first one. So my encouragement, when you get the invite, just say yes. I want to start by recapping last Sunday. You may have caught the service, you might not have done. Rob introduced our new series, Opening Our Hands. And as part of that, gave a, a wonderful update on our Storehouse Compassion Ministry and some of the new things that are coming up. Um, if you missed the talk, you can catch it on our website. One of the things that Rob said that I loved was this. It's always been God's plan that those with more look after those with less. That is so true. Rob updated about the um, building project, the work we've had going on out the back there, creating shop areas for food and for clothing, um, and that is wonderful, uh, amazing space. And then Rob shared some of the vision, some of the things coming up in the near future. Um, we've been really helped by thinking about five areas of human need, and it's summarized in this next slide, which hopefully will come up. There you go. So there are what we might call immediate needs, our basic needs for food and clothing. There are needs for security and stability, things like finance and employment. Um, we have connection needs for relationships, being a part of something. There are resilience needs, that sense of recognition. And then lastly, there are those needs that we fulfill our potential, that we actually achieve something. You know, what on earth am I here for? And we live that out. Now, Storehouse, for those of you that are familiar with it, is just amazing. Serves hundreds of families each year that are in material need. And the focus for the 25 plus years that Storehouse has been around has primarily been in that area of immediate needs. Food and clothing done some other things from time to time, but we really sense the Lord inviting us now to take the next strategic step as a church, pressing into another area of these human needs, those of security and stability. And so what we feel the Lord prompting us to do is to establish a compassion center. And in the first instance, a debt support center and a job club. Now, these things have always been needs, haven't they? Needs for employment, needs for dealing with money and finance, but it is especially going to be true as we come out of the COVID pandemic. In my view, the financial and employment hit, we're going to feel that in the autumn. And so we need to get ready for that. Now, in the background, lots of things have been going on. There's been some people on our team exploring options, for example, with organizations like CAP, and community money advice. And we've had some really good conversations with another local church and may well partner with them. So what we really need right now is people like you, and you, and you, and you. People like us. People with a heart to walk alongside someone as they get information together that will go to a debt advisor, helping them on that journey, walking alongside them. Helping um, people to apply for jobs, you know, getting applications together, writing a CV, um, interview skills. 
And so you don't need to be fully trained. Training will be given, but you may have picked up some of those skills along the line. Or you may just have some heart in this area. You may have some time. You may just have some compassion. So if that's you, the next step is come along and find out more. Jump on a Zoom call in a couple of weeks' time with myself and Rob. There are two um, opportunities. Tuesday the 4th of May at half past seven in the evening, or Wednesday the 5th of May at 11 o'clock in the morning. So a link is going to go up for those online, and you can click on that and register. For those on site this morning, there is a clipboard on a table at the back. You can simply just write your name down there. There is no commitment. Just come and explore. So if that's for you, you feel like the Lord's stirring you, come and join us. What we're going to do this morning is look at what I think is a stunning story that you find in Mark's gospel of someone who opened their hands. So if you have a Bible, do you want to turn to Mark chapter 12? It's a well-known story about a widow who had two copper coins. So I'm going to read verses 41 to 44 of Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Stunning, isn't it? Stunning. I want to share three things about generosity, and they all start with the letter S. Hopefully it helps us remember them. You might want to take some notes. First thing... Generosity, living with open hands, is seen. It is seen. Have you noticed that Jesus is always very intentional? He did things on purpose. He could have grabbed any seat in the temple that day, but he grabbed the one right next to the giving table so he could see what was going on. And he watches. And what he sees is this widow come in, and he sees her generosity. And then what he does, he calls to the 12 and says, come and have a look. So people that say, oh, we should you know, not even let the bookkeeper know what we're giving and keep it. No, that's a misunderstanding of another text in the gospel. Jesus, is, he says to us, come and have a look. You need to see what's going on right now. Rob shared a wonderful story from the book of Leviticus last week in the Old Testament, some of the laws given to the people of Israel. And one of them was, don't harvest to the very edges of your field. Leave that for the poor so they can go and harvest. And so what that meant is that someone's generosity could be seen by other people. In other words, how much of your field you left unharvested. The point is simply that our generosity is seen by God and by those around us. Our generosity as a church is seen by God and by the community around us. So what did Jesus see? Well, he saw some rich people coming in and probably putting like a big bag of money on the, on the temple treasury. That's how I imagine it, just kind of quite showy. And he, he saw that. And then he saw this poor widow coming in with two copper coins. And these were the smallest coins in Judea at the time. So it's, it's a penny. And the message version of the Bible puts Jesus' words this way. The truth is that this poor widow 
gave more to the collection than all the others put together. So immediately, it's not a financial thing, is it? Because clearly it wasn't economically as much as the others. Put in more than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. So the second thing I want to share about generosity is that it is about sacrifice, not size. Sacrifice, not size. So if we think about that, the example of money, because that's what Jesus is using here, if we give to the church that we're a part of out of the spare change in our pocket, the chances are we won't miss it. It's like, you know, do you remember the times when you used to go into a restaurant and you'd leave some money at the end, like a tip on the table? That's like God tipping. And that's not what's going on here. Generosity comes with a cost. You'll have heard of the author C.S. Lewis. Nod to me. Type in the chat. Yes, I've heard of C.S. Lewis. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, those kind of books. But he wrote a whole lot of other stuff as well. One of the things he wrote was this. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot because our charitable expenditure excludes them. That's sacrifice. See, when I read this story, the widow's action is stunning, isn't it? She gives everything. And that leads on to the third thing I want to share, that generosity, opening our hands, has a starting point. The starting point is this. Everything belongs to God. Our time, our energy, our resources, our money, everything belongs to God. So what that means is, is that we actually have nothing. We actually have nothing. And so we need to trust someone, don't we, to look after us. If you've got nothing, you need to find someone to look after you. So the question is, is who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? Well, this, this widow in this story, she has no husband, no social security. She's highly vulnerable. And her action of taking these two copper coins and putting them in the treasury says this, God, I trust you. God, I'm trusting you to look after me. And so that's the starting point. Everything we have is his, and we choose to trust him. So here's a couple of other questions, really important questions that I believe we should then ask. What has the Lord put in my hands, and what am I going to do with it? Two questions. What has the Lord put in my hands, and what am I going to do with it? Our time, our energy, our dreams, our resources, our money. What has the Lord put in my hands, and what am I going to do with it? So I'm going to think about money. Use that as an example for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because what we're able to do as a church is made possible by giving. Now, we've shared this over the last couple of months. Our income as a church is down around 15 to 20% compared to what it was before the pandemic. And let me say just here, incredibly grateful to the many, many people who have continued to give regularly through what has been an incredibly tough year. But I don't want us to be doing 20% less ministry compared to a year ago. So that's where we are. But that's one reason. The second reason, and actually a bigger reason, is this. is because what we do with what the Lord has put in our hands in terms of finances is so important to discipleship. You'll have heard of a guy called Billy Graham incredible evangelist, he said this, if a person gets their attitude towards money straight, 
it will help straighten out almost every other area in their life. And I found that to be true. If we get this straightened out, it will straighten out so much of the rest of our lives. So again, back to these two questions that I'm asking this morning. Firstly, what has the Lord put in your hands? What has he put in our hands? In other words, what's my income? What's my salary? What's my pension? What's my business earnings? What has the Lord put into my hands? And the second question, what am I going to do with it? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've got that question, the next question you should ask is, well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Well, in summary, the Bible says this. Give to God first, out of the first of what you have, at the beginning of the month, not at the end of the month if you've got anything left over. Give give to him first. Give to the local church that you are a part of, not one that you used to be a part of. Give to the one that you're a part of now. And so we give first, and then we spend, and then if we can, we may save something. So give to God first. Next question, how much? How much? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul says that we should give at the start of each week, in other words, be regular in our giving. And then he says, give in keeping with your income. In other words, in proportion to what you're getting in. So that raises another question. Have you seen there's a thread here? There's a series of questions. The next question is, well, okay, what proportion? What percentage? What does the Bible say about that? Well, the Old Testament talks a lot about the practice of tithing, giving a tenth part, literally 10%. The New Testament barely mentions tithing. Why would that be? Well, here's a couple of reasons. The first reason is that the New Testament is primarily written to Jewish people, and for them, this was a sorted-out issue. Pretty much every Jewish person would be tithing already, so it was like a non-issue. So so the, the, the New Testament is pretty silent on it. But the bigger reason, I believe, is this. One of the things that tithing can do is create an artificial ceiling. In other words, when we get to giving away 10% of what the Lord has put in our hands, we can think, I've done it. I've made it. Tick. It's an artificial ceiling. But the story that we've read in Mark And in the message translation, Jesus says that the rich people gave what they'll never miss. You know, for some people, a tithe isn't missed. If you're a Premier League footballer and you're not well paid, so you're only on £100,000 a week. Okay, so you're one of the low ones. If you tithe, you give £10,000 a week. That leaves you 90 grand to live on. Do you think that person would miss 10 grand? Do you see the way that it can set an artificial ceiling? And that's why I think the New Testament is silent, because it talks about generosity. Break through any kind of ceilings. So let me tell you what Bethan and I do. We'll we'll let you into some secrets of how we approach this. Each year, we estimate our income, what's in our hands. Now, that's relatively easy for us. We're salaried, and so we we have a pretty good idea. But I know for self-employed people, it's a bit more of an estimate. What we then do is we prayerfully ask the Lord what proportion he wants us to give. And we've shared this before, and I'll share it again. Not that you think better of us. Please don't do that. If you do, I failed. But just hopefully that this would just um, be honest and hopefully um, encourage you. 
Over the last five-plus years, we've double-tithed our income. We've, we've, we've tried to get through that ceiling. And so the calculation around giving is simply this. What has the Lord put in my hands? And prayerfully, what proportion is he asking me to give away? And then do that. It's pretty simple, isn't it? What has he put in my hands, and what am I going to do with it? How we do it? Well, we give by standing order, because that means that we're regular at the start of each month. It's the lowest cost for um, the church admin, and is also, I think, the most helpful way for discipleship. We give under gift aid, which means the church gets the tax back, and that increases our gift by 25%. So, here's my ask this morning. If you are part of this church, could I ask you today and over these next few days to review your giving? To, to check that that is in place or to put something in place if you're part of our church. And what I'm talking about here is our regular giving to the life of Riverside Vineyard, not the over and above stuff, not, not the kind of like giving to storehouse. That's wonderful that people have done that, but that is over and above giving. And let me just say, just so that we, you know, you may not know this, the vast majority of the funding for our storehouse compassion ministry comes through regular giving. Not through the over and above stuff, it comes through regular giving. So that pays the staff costs, the lighting, the heating, the water, the mortgage, which gives the space for storehouse to run, uh, the phones, the printing, all of that stuff. It all comes through our general giving. So if you want to support storehouse, the primary way to do that is through general giving. So I'd love you to review your giving what does the Lord put in your hands, and what proportion does he want you to give? And then take a step. Take a step today. In the next few days, would you take a step forward? And here are some really helpful steps. If you've never given, begin to give. If you give sporadically, start to give regularly. If you give regularly, begin to tithe. And if you tithe, is the Lord inviting you to break that ceiling? to explore even greater generosity. Practically, if you're already giving, thank you so much. If you need to adjust that amount because you've got a standing order or a bank transfer in place, you need to contact your bank. We cannot do that for you. Um, so that's your action, if you will, um, to contact your bank. If you're not giving regularly, all you need is in the leaflet that is under your seats right now. So could you just humor me? Could you grab that leaflet and just wave it at me? Because I know someone came in to lay the leaflets out, and this will really encourage them to know that their job was well done. Wave that. Wonderful. That is the leaflet that you need if you want to start giving regularly, and it also has the information in there about giving under gift by gift aid. There is a fuller brochure on the giving tables at the side if you want to pick that up on the way out, but that is the one that you need. If there is a link going up um, where you can indicate that you want us to send you a copy of this, because I know that many people do not have printers at home. And so if you click that link and simply put in your name and details, we will send this, this form out to you um, in the post as soon as we can. You can get a bunch of it from our website as well, um, but we would really, um, it would be our pleasure to send that out to you. Okay, that's a whistle stop. I am out of time. So, I had some more great things to share, 
but I'm not going to. Because we, we want to pray, don't we? You know, the Lord has been speaking to us. He's been present with us this morning. And we're going to pray that he will continue to be at work in our lives, just helping us to respond really well to the things that he has been speaking to us. 